Welcome to the audio podcast of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage, the show where you can talk face-to-face with your favorite MLB players and personalities. Welcome into another edition of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. I'm Tim McMaster, and stepping into the cage today to take some cuts, the radio voice of the New York Mets, Howie Rose. First off, Howie, thanks a lot for taking the time and joining us today. My pleasure, Tim. All right, fans, you know how this works. You can press that red button at the bottom of your screen. Get in line. You can ask your own question of Howie or use the hashtag chatting cage to get your questions through Twitter. And that is where we will start. And on Twitter, Howie, Real David Fine wants to know, what's the toughest part of broadcasting baseball? Well, probably September when the rules permit you to carry 38, 39 players and managers have a choice of 14 relievers. And Joe Girardi used seven, yep, seven pitchers to win a 5 to nothing shutout game on Saturday. That gets kind of tedious, and it can mess up a scorecard pretty good, too. Yeah, certainly a lot of names to keep track of. You never know who's in that bullpen warming up. We have another. We have a fan ready to go here to uh, join us in the chatting cage. Fan, if you can just... Tell us your name, where you're from, and go ahead with your question for Howie Rose. Um, I was wondering what you thought ultimately the Mets rotation in the post in the postseason would look like. Um, you know what they're going to do with Bartolo and, and with Nice. Howie, I'm not sure if you heard. Yeah, that's a good question. As far as yeah. I heard the back end of it, yeah, yeah, I think I've got the gist of it, and I don't know that they know exactly how uh, the two fellows you uh, allude to, Cologne and Nice, will fit. But I think that in no particular order, although just for the fun of it, I'll try and establish one. If they start on the road, then it might well be, say, DeGrom and Mats, and then go to Harvey and Syndergaard. And I think maybe if they start at home, you'd see Syndergaard potentially start a second game. But really, I think the four kids are the ones who are going to carry the ball, whether it's a five or a seven game series. Yeah, those kids have gotten them this far, so certainly they should be the guys that I think take it from here. It's been such an exciting season with all those young pitchers. Bryson W. Brown, how he wants to know, what's your favorite game that was played at Shea Stadium and he wants to not include the playoffs? Okay, great question. I've always said my most memorable night, as it turned out, at Shea Stadium was the night of July 9th, 1969 when the Mets in their first ever pennant race, remember they were an expansion team that entered the National League in 1962. It was the first big series they ever played against the first place team in the old National League East under its original configuration, the Chicago Cubs. The Mets were four games out going into that game and Tom Seaver pitched a near perfect game. He lost a perfect game with one out in the ninth inning on a base hit by a left-hand hitter named Jimmy Qualls. And if you could have been in the ballpark that night to feel not only the electricity of the moment, but the understanding that we were at a point in the history of the Mets where they were that night, I think firmly for the first time establishing themselves not only as contenders to win a pennant, but the Tom Seaver was stamping himself as the franchise's first truly great player. To me, that was the most memorable night I ever spent at Shea Stadium, and I was there to see the Mets win divisions, pennants, and world championships. Yeah, that's kind of back when it all started, I guess you could say. We're going to stay on Twitter here, Howie, and Fred Ranger wants to know, what's Terry Collins' best quality? 
I think the best thing Terry does is keep that room intact and keep players focused. And I think if you look at this year as a barometer, you're almost selling Terry short because I've looked at other teams who have looked like, you know, they were just basically going through the motions at this time of year. But even in the last few years when the Mets had been long out of contention by the time we got to September, Terry Collins' teams never ever, ever appeared to be mailing it in. You didn't hear any grumbling on the part of players about how Terry was using them. And I think that's not an easy thing to do in this day and age, to placate a bunch of players who have various and differing agendas. And so I think, if anything, Terry Collins is a vastly, vastly underrated manager and underappreciated, too. Yeah, and that's certainly a skill that I think has gotten tougher over time as well, and, and the best managers do a great job you of bet. it. This is the Edward Jones Chatting Cage, and we have another fan here ready to go to talk to Howie Rose. Fan, if you can just tell us your name, where you're from, and go ahead with your question. I'm calling over from Queens, and my question to Howie actually today is from one Queens College alumni to another. Uh, what advice right. would you give somebody looking right. <laughs> to get into uh, the business that you're in? Because I've I've loved your broadcasting ever since I was, ever since I can remember. So I would uh, just, what advice would you give someone trying to fill your shoes? Well, first off, you're obviously very, very, very young, which is good. Uh, Secondly, have you graduated yet? Uh, Actually, a year ago. Oh, you did? Okay. Now, did you work at a college radio station over in Queens, or did you do any writing for the college paper? Uh, Actually, I haven't. Uh, I've applied and applied, but it's such a competitive business uh, that, you know, I've, I've fell short on a couple of interviews, but, you know, I always, it's, it's been my dream to be the next Howie Rose, so what would, what would your advice to me be? <laughs> well, first off, I'd aim, I'd aim higher, number one. Uh, secondly, if you haven't been getting any nibbles yet then you might want to polish or refine your skills. And there are broadcasting schools you could go to that would allow you to do that. There are even radio stations where if you've got the ability to do it financially, you can actually buy your way onto the air and uh, and take advantage of that opportunity. So whatever you do, don't give up. I mean, follow your dream, follow your passion. And if it's burning hot and deeply enough inside, you'll get there. You just got to stay with it. That is, that is great stuff, Howie, and great back and forth with the fan. We don't always get that on the chatting cage, but that was outstanding stuff. This is the Edward Jones chatting cage. We have fans lined up to talk to Howie Rose in the chatting cage today. Shea Dreams 88 wants to know, what will be the Mets' biggest obstacle once they get to the postseason this year? Well, let's start with a couple of guys named Kershaw and Cranky. Do I need to go any further than that? That's a pretty good one. Assuming they get in, they would uh, apparently play the Dodgers. And I think one of the things, if I could just steer this in a somewhat different direction, why it's so important for the Mets potentially to get the home field in that series, if they can, is that chances are that if the first two games are in Los Angeles, given the size of the relative markets, New York and Los Angeles, those games probably be played at about 5 o'clock local time in L.A., uh, believe me, it's hard enough facing Kershaw and Granke under perfect conditions, but facing those two in the twilight, that only complicates matters. So uh, believe me, those two guys are as big an obstacle as any team will face in the postseason this year. Yeah, and the pitching matchups in a series between the Mets and Dodgers would certainly be a lot of fun. Jay Spitz at You Reach Jake, sorry, Jake Spitz, wants to know, what do you think about the Harvey Innings limit? We were eventually going to get there. 
Well, Jake, I think you know that we have discussed this backwards and forwards, up and down and sideways and inside out. There is no absolute science involved here, no firm standard that suggests that X number of innings, whether it's 180, 190, 170, is the absolute limit a pitcher recovering from Tommy John should throw. Uh, this has been going back and forth like a ping pong ball for a couple of weeks now. And the frustrating thing is that, you know, we're dealing in supposition. We're dealing with the abstract. And, uh, you know, on the one hand, uh, you'd love it if the pitcher would say, give me the ball. You're not getting it out of my hands. But there are so many other factors involved. And invariably, when you start whittling it down to the lowest common denominator, as usual, as with everything, and especially in sports, it comes down to money. Matt Harvey sees a nine-figure payday coming somewhere down the line. He's got his agent chirping in his ear, his ear. He hears doctors telling him that maybe you shouldn't go past this certain limit, although apparently James Andrews has never said anything of the sort, at least not with a fixed innings limit. So you know he's got a lot of different factions that are contributing opinions, and he's at a point where he's saying, you know, I've put my career in the hands of my agent. I'm going to listen to him, and that apparently is where we're at here. Yeah, and it's certainly a situation where you can understand it from, from all the sides in this one. All right, Howie, uh, we're waiting to get another fan here on the line. And here we go, ready to go fan. If you want to just tell us your name, where you're from, go ahead with your question for Howie. I'm Ryan from New Jersey. Uh, what was the atmosphere like Hi, during Ryan. the Subway Series? It was electric. It's been largely electric here at City Field ever since the Washington Series at the end of July, beginning of August. And... Uh, the best way I could describe it is that since this place opened in 2009, Ryan, it's the first time it's ever felt like Shea. And I'm using the three games here over the Yankees as an example. Uh, certainly the games against Washington, some of the games against Pittsburgh. And um, it's great. You know, it's just great to experience that same kind of energy. This place is built a little differently than Shea, so you don't feel it swaying under your feet the way we did in the old place. But it's a very familiar and welcome feeling to experience again. Yeah, certainly is, and Mets fans hope to have that feeling at City Field throughout the month of October. Howie, we have one more fan on the line here. Fan, if you can just tell us your name, where sure. you're from, go ahead with your question for Howie Rose. Hey, Howie, I'm Jason. I live in uh, Gaithersburg, Maryland. To listen to you on the At Bat app all the time, so Hi, keep Jason. up the great work. Loved your book as well, so thank you. That's nice of you. Thank um, you. Real quickly. Thank you. Mets fans are obviously very, very uh, nervous with 07 and uh, 08 and the, the uh, collapses. Is there anything you can say to fans that would, and Mets fans especially, I'm not nervous, but is there anything you can tell them to say, chill out, we got this? <laughs> well, for openers, stay away from sharp objects. <laughs> you know, I, look, I, I, they're in a great spot, you know, despite what happened this weekend and despite the way they lost last night. Six up with 13 to go is a great place to be. And they're playing a team tonight to open a three-game series against whom they won four in a row in their building last week. So, uh, you know, you like their chances a lot. Uh, there are some complicating factors, of course, due to the realities of controlling young pitchers in the 21st century. It's way more complicated than it's ever been. But I think if you told everybody in the Mets organization somewhere in March or sometime in March that you would approach September 21st with 13 games remaining and a six-game lead, 
you'd have guys knocking each other over to get to the pin to sign on for that. So uh, they're in a great spot. The magic number is eight in honor of Gary Carter. Hopefully they can get it down to Ed Cranepool or Al Weiss tonight and go from there. Howie, thank you so much. We are out of time, but uh, enjoy the rest of Penn and Fever through September and hopefully well into October. Thanks a lot. Sounds great. Thank you, Tim. That'll do it for another edition of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. Join us again next time.